0: I know it's November, but I wanted to give you plenty of time to start creating your love storybook just in time for Christmas. Lovebook Online is a unique gift idea unlike anything else. The love book is created right on their website. Each book is custom-made in hardcover or softcover, and you can customize each page with your own little stick figure character. Or you can use the hundreds of user-generated love reasons or images to help illustrate each page, letting your loved one know just how much you love them. The book also has personalized greeting cards, wrapping paper, activity books, love coupons, um, it has love books for kids, and personalized mugs. It's fun to create and even more fun to receive. Receive 10% off by using the code LoveAlways10. Link is in the description. Thank you for joining this episode of True Crime Stories. I just want to do a disclaimer. This episode deals with spousal abuse and may be triggering for some. Listener discretion is advised. In 1977, in Michigan, Francine stood outside her home watching it go up in flames. Earlier that night, her husband Mickey had beaten and raped her. Her three children were safe in the car. She had four children, but one was at a friend's house. Francine stood watching the fire for a little bit and then walked to the car and then drove herself to the police station where she turned herself in. Her nightmare began 13 years earlier when she married James, who went by Mickey. After a hellish marriage with constant physical, verbal and emotional abuse. The abuse continued, even though they were divorced. The night of the murder, Mickey beat Francine in front of their children. He ripped up textbooks from a course that she was taking and then he raped and threatened to kill her the whole time. Francine didn't know it, but she was about to become a central figure in what is now known as the battered women's movements. It worked to draw attention to women who were brutalized by their husbands, but were rarely taken seriously by the justice system in North America at the time. By turning the attention received by tragic cases like Francine's into ways to help women, the movement created a system of life-saving shelters and it laid the foundation for an awareness of domestic violence. Francine was born on August 17th, 1947 in Stockbridge, Michigan. And she grew up in Jackson, Michigan. Her father was Walter. Um, Depending on the source, he either worked as a farm worker or as a factory worker. Her mother was Hazel, and she was a waitress. Walter was a heavy drinker, and he abused his wife. And Francine grew up seeing this abuse. The family always struggled financially. Francine dropped out of Jackson High School in the 10th grade to marry Mickey. He was a high school dropout as well and he was three years older than Francine. Francine said she thought he was so sophisticated. He owned his own car and most people she knew didn't have their own car. When they married, at first they lived at Mickey's parents. The abuse started within weeks. Mickey was jealous and possessive. He constantly accused his wife of dressing indecently. He would make her take off her clothes, and he would tear them to pieces. After these incidents, Mickey seemed remorseful at first. The years go by and Francine had four children and a husband who spent much of their money on alcohol. In 1971, she spoke with a social worker and was able to divorce Mickey, but he ignored the divorce order and he would come and go to the house whenever he wanted, beating and raping Francine. When Mickey was in a serious car accident, Francine took him back and she nursed him back to health. Even after that, the abuse got worse. On March the 9th, 1977, Mickey found out that Francine had enrolled in secretarial school with the help from her mother. Mickey forced her to burn her textbooks. Um, He demanded that she dropped out and then he also threatened to destroy her vehicle. Francine called the police that night, but they refused to arrest Mickey because they had not actually witnessed the abuse themselves. Even though Mickey threatened the police officers, and he threatened Francine in front of them because she called for help. When the officers left, Mickey continued to beat and rape Francine, even in front of the children. Afterward, he fell asleep. Francine later said she stood there, thinking about all of the things that happened to her, all of the times that he hurt her, and how, now, he hurt the children. She stood there for a moment, hesitating, and she heard a voice urging her on. It whispered, do it, do it, do it. Francine acted quickly. She put her kids in the car and then poured gasoline around Mickey's bed and lit a match. As the house went up in flames, she drove to the police station to turn herself in. By the time firefighters reached the house, Mickey was dead from smoke inhalation. Francine was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. At the time, um, a group of feminine activists had been trying to call attention to domestic violence for years. Since women's suffrage, women have been trying to change things with spousal abuse. Anti-alcohol advocates claimed that drunk men were more likely to beat and harm their wives and children. And the advocates would use images and stories of women who had been attacked by their husbands, who were drunk, and that would gain support for their cause. At the same time, women crusaded against the accepted policy of chastisement. The policy basically stated that men had the right to physically punish their legally subordinate wives. A legal historian wrote, as master of the household, a husband could command his wife's obedience and subject her to corporal punishment if she defied his authority. Starting in the 1870s, chastisement became socially stigmatized when ideas of discipline shifted after the public became more aware of the abuse of slaves and the antebellum South. That didn't mean that domestic abuse stopped, though. Even in the 1970s, police and courts turned a blind eye to men who beat and raped their wives. In 1976, there was a case in which a bleeding, bruised woman went to the police department in hopes of getting protection from her violent husband, only to be told... It's not a police department thing. And she was referred to family courts. Judges and juries often downplayed spousal abuse. By 1977, the same year that Francine killed her husband, the FBI had reported that spousal abuse was the United States' most underreported crime. In 1970, faced with a justice system reluctant to help abused women, grassroots organizers began to raise awareness and create small-scale protection for women in danger. In 1971, the world's first safe house for domestic violence victims was opened in Chiswick, London. A group of American activists visited the refuge and began a network of their own shelters in the United States. In 1972, the first rape crisis line was established. Soon activists were um, targeting the legal system itself. It was an uphill battle. Legislators, police, judges, and the public were slow to understand why it was necessary to provide specific legal protection for the victims of intimate partner abuse. Cases like Francine's helped draw awareness to the issue. In November 1977, a jury of 10 women and two men took five hours to find Francine not guilty by reason of temporary, temporary insanity. The burning bed syndrome became something academics studied, as well as a defense in other cases of women killing their abusers. In 1980, a book called The Burning Bed was published, and it was based on Francine's story. In 1984, Vera Fawcett starred in a made-for-TV movie called The Burning Bed. The number of shelters for battered women grew from a handful in 1977 to nearly 700 the year The Burning Bed was televised. There was also a Domestic Violence Awareness Week So the movement made huge strides. A decade later in North America, the Violence Against Women Act was passed. It established a national domestic violence hotline. It forced all states, provinces, and jurisdictions in North America to recognize and enforce victim protection orders. And it provided funding for domestic violence training for law enforcement officers. After the trial, Francine returned to Jackson, Michigan and held uh, held several low-skill jobs before marrying Robert in 1980. They moved to Tennessee and she enrolled in nursing school, earning certification as a practical nurse. She worked in nursing homes and as a private caregiver, and she also ran a nursing agency with her husband. She has been called a feminine heroine, a feminist heroine, I'm sorry, Uh, but she always shied from publicity. Francine passed away in 2017 from complications of pneumonia. Today, Domestic violence has been recognized as a worldwide issue, but that doesn't mean that it's been resolved. Unfortunately, even today, 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner. One in four women and one in nine men will be victims of severe physical abuse by an intimate partner during their lifetime. If you are experiencing domestic violence, I have a violence hotline number and a website where you can chat with a worker in the description. Thank you very much for listening.